Let's talk about sex. Nicole is a sex positivity activist who brings in the frankness and directness that conversations about sex, intimacy, and relationships sometimes lack. Gather around. This is most definitely an episode that you'll want to share with your friends. Let us know what you think and keep rocking. Hello, everybody. I'm so happy to be again on an She Rocks Global episode. Today, we have guests that I'm very excited about. But first of all, Mavisa, how are you today? Hello, Maka. Nice to see you all the way from Cape Town, as usual. As usual, each of us from each uh, spot on, on different parts of the world. I'm in Uruguay, in Maldonado right now. And today we have Nicole Bannister with us. Welcome, Nicole. How are you? I am fantastic. Thanks, Maka. Thanks, Mabisa. So I'm so happy. Conversation. <laughs> yes, definitely. You know, I was getting ready for this conversation and I was started researching a little bit on Nicole's experience and what brings her here. And I'm so excited that we're going to share this conversation with all our Shirox Global audience. So let's start. First of all, Nicole, please introduce yourself to our audience. Sure, will do. But first, let me just say thank you so much to the She Rocks Global community and family. It is such a pleasure to be here and to be part of this esteemed group of ladies across the globe. Um, so my name is Nicole Bannister. I am an international MC. I am a sex positive content creator, and I am the founder of the digital storytelling platform called My Basketball Team, which is a platform where we publish short sexy stories about dating and intimacy submitted anonymously by folks across the globe. So I'm kind of at the intersection of, of sort of this internationality, global, cross-cultural sort of person, along with sexuality, dating, and intimacy, along with a bit of sort of showcasing and hosting and emceeing. And that's kind of, I try to kind of operate in that, uh, in that space in between those, uh, those sort of three, three points there. <laughs> Very talenting, huh? Being a woman, talking about those topics, having your own storytelling platform. I don't know where to start asking, but I say I would say, what is the main challenge of being a woman and talking about sex in this patriarchal world we live today in? That's such a fantastic question, Maka. Honestly, I think the most challenging thing is just trying to get other folks sort of out of their own way. I think in general... Not only are men completely sort of shocked and surprised when I start to have honest and open conversations about intimacy, about sex, about dating, about relationships, but I find too that that women and, and other folks, however they identify, um, can also be quite surprised about uh, about some of these topics and be quite shocked, like, oh, well, why are we talking about uh, these intimate moments with our partners or these these awkward moments that we had, you know, uh, on a date or in a relationship? relationship and things like that. But the reality is that we have to normalize public discourse around intimacy. We need to create safe spaces for men, for women, for, for non-binary folks, for however you identify to actually come together and discuss the realities of, of intimacy because it's not, it's not what you see on porn. It's not what you see in rom-coms. Like that's not the reality of intimate relationships. So how do we create a safe space where folks feel comfortable to just share and say, well, last night, you know, I had the super 
awkward situation with my partner where he was doing this thing to me and then all of a sudden he fell asleep. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's talk about that. Because uh, I tell you, I'm telling you right now, a rom-com will never show you that. So let's talk about it and get it out there in the open. <laughs> Which I'm loving um, already your use of language. And of course, this is your conversation. And, and so you obviously have the best language around it, which is we're not fixating on sex, but we're fixating on intimacy and relationships. And so I'm wondering how much of that is coming through in the conversations that come through my basketball team and any other platform that you are a part of the moment you start talking about being sex positive and where people find themselves in this intersection between relationship and the actual physical act. Mm-hmm. Well, Abisa, you bring up a great point and you use the phrase sex positive, which is one that I use often as well. And, and to me, what being sex positive means is sort of celebrating and being open to conversations around sex, about relationships, around dating and, and sort of celebrating sex and sexuality, celebrating open dialogue around it, I think is something that more often than not actually doesn't happen. So the sex positive a- a- approach, one that I try to take in the, it, it, it is a greater conversation, not just about the physical act of, of sex, which can mean many things to many different people, but all those little things about relationships around intimacy that sort of surround it. So topics like body positivity, right? Do I shave or do I not shave, right? Talks about menstruation, you know, can I, can I have sex on my period or not? And can I even have that conversation with my partner, right? These are all things that are in the, in the greater topic of, of, of sex. But I think more often than not, we're sort of just focusing on this like very specific, narrow, like idea of, of what sex is, but really for us to have healthy relationships where we can have open communication with our partners about whatever comes up, awkward moments, spontaneous moments, embarrassing moments. And it has to be this sort of holistic dialogue that includes, like you said, Moabisa, intimacy and relationships and dating and all these other facets that aren't just actually that that moment where you're deciding whether or not you're about to do the do, right? So, So it's important. So, I mean, to be at the point of being, you know, running a platform that is sex positive and brings these very interesting conversations, it means you need to have been on some sort of journey to be okay and to get to a place of comfort to be able to be an amplifier for this type of conversation. How did you get there? And what do you still find challenging within yourself when it comes to having this conversation with yourself and others? That's such a great question because I think I've taken a really roundabout route to get to, to, get to where I'm at now. So, you know, my whole life, I have very much identified as a multicultural, multinational, third culture kid. And that was a lot of culture, 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 right? So for for me, what that means is that, you know, I was born to a Black American father and a Persian immigrant mother. And so I had this sort of mindset when I was growing up that my mom had one opinion, my dad had one opinion, and then they were both like, okay, you make your own opinion, as well as my brother. They were like, this is what we think individually. What do you guys think, right? So growing up with that kind of sort of attitude where there was multiple perspectives, um, you know, nothing was ever black and white, and then actually moving around the world growing up. So, I, you know, I lived not only in, in sort of California and on the West Coast where I was born, but also in other parts of the United States, like Texas, like Louisiana. We moved overseas. I lived in Singapore for my first couple years of high school. 
Then I lived in Bolivia for a little bit. Then I was in Washington, D.C. for my undergrad. So I was sort of moving around, immersing myself in all these different cultures, which really sort of, that was the launch point for me being passionate about um, sort of having global conversations and global dialogues with, with folks from different backgrounds, different perspectives. And then, and then tie that with sort of what I actually studied, right? So I did my undergrad at, at Georgetown University. I studied culture and politics, which was really the intersection of diplomacy and culture, right? How do we have critical dialogue across different cultural groups on a global scale? How does the government, civil society, and the private sector make informed decisions for people based on their diverse and intersectional cultures? So that's what I studied in undergrad and then basically launched a decade-long career in international development. So I spent the first sort of 10 years of my career working at different NGOs, working for the United States government as a Peace Corps volunteer, and working in all these different spaces, but specifically around sexual health and public health. Um, and I was sort of managing a, a sort of a, a portion of a, of a workspace where I was scaling a sport-based, play-based model of teaching kids about sex, about relationships, about consent. Um, I was taking a model that we had created here in South Africa and in Zambia and in Zimbabwe and scaling it across the African continent. Um, and so, you know, and so I think so from all of these sort of dynamic experiences, traveling as much as I have to, you know, I've traveled to over 20 countries on just the African continent alone, uh, having these conversations around sexual health, around relationships, um, around sex positivity. I think what's been challenging to me to get back to that, that question, Wabisa, has been actually just um, getting into an environment and a space where this is this is not sort of your everyday casual conversation for most people. So how do we create an environment where folks actually do feel comfortable to share? And I think that's something that's quite challenging. You can say, okay, we're having this workshop. We're going to talk about this. And all of a sudden, you know, people might not sign up. People might not want to be there. Maybe men don't want to come. Maybe men don't want their, their female partners to come. You know, there's, there's all these different things. Or maybe people think, oh, I'm married, so I don't need to come, right? There's all these kind of different sort of mindsets that folks have when you start to talk about something that's so uh, sort of controversial and sexy like sex itself. So I think that's been one of the things that's, that's been challenging for me as I try and kind of um, sort of navigate my, my background along with my passion uh, and, and try and sort of scale that globally. How does that impact on you personally in terms of what is the thing that is challenged within you when other people are being challenged? Is there something? Mm, mm. Sometimes I think it's a challenge for me to kind of, to, to, to keep it together in the sense that when you start having honest conversations about intimacy, most people and women in particular, and we're, you know, we're, we're on a platform here like She Rocks Global where you've got so many strong, powerful, confident, intelligent talented, brilliant women. When you start having those conversations, uh, inevitably, there's going to be a lot of horror stories. A lot of really traumatic and terrible things have happened to women in particular, whether it's gender-based violence, whether it's female genital cutting, whether it's uh, you know abuse from a, from a partner, right? Intimate partner abuse. There, there's so many things that have happened to women in particular. So for me, it's, it's sometimes um, as, a, as a facilitator, as a host, it's quite challenging for me to, to keep it together sometimes. I'm like, you're crying, sharing this incredibly, incredibly challenging and, and, and 
traumatic story of this crazy incident that happened to you. You're sharing in front of a group of 60 people. I'm supposed to be your leader. I'm supposed to be the one saying, you know, thank you so much for sharing and how do we move forward and da 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 da. And, I'm, and really in, inside my heart, my big empathetic heart, I'm like, I just want to cry with you, right? Because like, because I feel, right? I feel for these women. I feel for people who have had these, you know, really intense and, and harrowing sexual experiences that have happened to them. So it's like, okay, how can we, how, how do I as a, as a facilitator build from that place of, of trauma and perhaps pain um, and then help, you know, women or men or whoever it is launch into the next evolution of themselves as, as sexual and, and intimate beings. Wow. I love her. Um, <laughs> While I, I was listening to you uh, and I was also talking to myself about uh, what sex and, and especially pleasure means to, to, to women and how we can showcase that or not. Um, we are expected to get married. We are expected to have kids, but we are not expected to enjoy uh, sexual pleasure. Uh, that's something I feel about female in general. But also we are uh, living in a very challenging times where uh, the way we relate with each other, because we cannot maybe meet each other because of pandemia, is changing the way we relate. Um, and I would like you to ask you what uh, advice or, or what is your experience regarding these new ways of relating, like uh, online, online dating, sexting, like all the things that happen and these new ways we have to relate with each other. Um, I don't know, but at least for me, it was challenging to be in a pandemic and to find uh, uh, mates with whom to have sex or to meet new people, how to interact with the other person on the other side, uh, trust, I don't know, a lot of challenges. Maybe you can share a little bit your view on these new ways of relating. Mm -mm, absolutely, Maka. I think that you're totally right that we live in this time where tons of people are meeting each other online through dating apps, through social media, sliding in those DMs, right? Snapchatting something sexy to somebody. Um, and so then, you know, if we're communicating in a digital world, how does that translate into the reality of when we meet each other in person? particularly in a, in a pandemic world, right? If we're thinking about safety and, you know, transmitting the virus and not, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it becomes this thing where I think we have to be even more thoughtful and intentional about the types of communication that we have with prospective partners because the beginning of the relationship might not be one where you're going to meet in person and know how you to engage and, and, in, and interact when you're really there in front of each other. Um, and one of the things that I personally always say when it comes to conversations about intimacy is that communication is key. And I'm not just talking about talking, right? You're obviously talking to this person that you that you're perhaps romantically, you know, interested in or emotionally or mentally attracted to, right? But you have to communicate about your wants, about your needs, about your preferences, about your pleasure. You have to have these conversations. And I think so many people are kind of nervous to do that and to say, actually, this is what I this is my sexual preference. This is what I like when when I'm in the bedroom or actually this is what I like um, you know, when we're when we're being intimate together. And I think having those conversations earlier rather than later. So perhaps even in that phase when you're just DMing or, or just messaging on WhatsApp or just communicating on Tinder or Hinge or whatever you're using to meet someone virtually, you have to have those, those conversations, I think, early because you don't want to get into a situation where you're with someone and actually your, your sexual chemistry just isn't, isn't aligned. 
right? Um, and 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 I think it's it's quite important for us to just communicate what it is that we want, what it is that we're looking for, and 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 listen when our partner then shares that back with us. Thank you very much. Uh, and how would you define intimacy? Oh, great question. You know, when I think about intimacy, I think about the times when you're with a partner or partners and it's just you together. And it is these moments when you're, you don't necessarily have to be engaging in sexual activity, but what you are doing is getting to know one another, whether that be physically, whether that be mentally, whether that be emotionally, I think intimacy can be many moments. Intimacy can, can be when you're, when you're just lying in bed together and you're about to, you know, uh, maybe about to do something. I think intimacy can be when the two of you are just walking in a park and you're holding hands. I think intimacy can, can be when you're just sitting on the couch next to each other and, you're, and your toes are touching and you're, you're playing a little footsie, right? Foot, you know, intimacy can be all of those things. It doesn't exclusively have to be sort of a, a moment right before, before you know, intercourse or something like that um, or right after. It can be. It certainly can be. Um, but I think it's just those moments when you're getting to, to, to feel out that chemistry that you and your partner or, or partners might have. What is six? <laughs> what is sex? Okay, we are we are fully on the spot. I'm like, oh, I, I need to have my full like, you know, this is sex, this is intimacy, this is dating. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, like I said earlier, you know, at least in my in my definition, sex can mean many things, right? There's multiple different types of sex that can be sort of intercourse where you have uh, a, a penis entering a vagina or a penis entering an, an anus. You can have oral sex, right, where you've got uh, you know sort of a, a mouth to mouth to penis mouth to vagina mouth to mouth to anus type of type of thing um and there's there's other types of sex as well you know depending on how you identify you know you clitoral stimulation right like there's there's all sorts of kind of different types of sex that's a i think a big question <laughs> and, and and honestly you no know, obviously you asking that question goes straight to my point of like whether or not folks are actually talking about the breadth of things that can be considered sex or that can be considered intimacy, right? Like Maka asked the question about intimacy. Are we actually asking all those questions? Are we asking those questions to our partner? Are we, are we not? I had a fascinating uh, conversation um, with, a, with a former partner recently around sort of his first time um, doing sort of, I'm going to call it booty play. Okay. <laughs> so I, we had this fascinating conversation about how he said, you know, the first time that he had had uh, a partner sort of stick her face in his booty. And the first time that, that, that happened, he was surprised. He wasn't, he wasn't ready for it. And I was like, okay, so you two didn't have a conversation about that beforehand. And he was like, no, it was just something that she, you know, decided, decided to do. And she just, and she just went for it. And I was like, okay, well, did you feel like you were assaulted because you did not consent to that activity before you did it? <laughs> and he was like, uh, I never thought about it like that. And I was like, this is the reason why you need to have communication with your partners in these intimate scenarios. And even the fact that I'm having this conversation with a former partner, right? We're not current partners, right? This is a former, you know, uh, a love interest of mine. But we're having a conversation now about consent. We're having a conversation about how you engage with your partners in relationships. Are you saying, 
Hey, I want to kiss you. Can I kiss you here? Hey, I want to touch you. Can I touch you here? And that goes both ways on either side of the, of the relationship. And again, you know, on, on my basketball team, when I think about the types of stories that we get, and again, you know, people across the globe can submit stories completely anonymously to my basketball team. And then we, we publish them on our Instagram, our Facebook, our website. You know, we, we, we get those sorts of stories. We get the stories where people are talking about, oh, this was my, my first time trying this, or um, I was in this moment and this awkward thing happened. We had this... Um, we had this hilarious story that we released on uh, on Eid last year at the end of Ramadan about an interfaith couple. The the woman was Christian, the man was Muslim, and they were in the middle of the in the middle of the act. And then all of a sudden, the man's phone alarm goes off, and he says, "Oh, sorry, babe, I, I need to go pray now because it was prayer time." <laughs> So, so he gets up, he goes and showers, he does his, uh, he, he, he does his prayer and then he hops back into bed and he's like, okay, I'm ready now. And she's like, I'm pretty sure this is not how this works. <laughs> right. And so like, can, are we talking about those things that are happening in our, in our lives, the realities of our intimacy and like sex lives? Are we actually having honest dialogue about it? And we, we got to showcase those real and honest stories. And I think for me, touches at a, to, at a point where particularly I'll project my experience as a cis heterosexual woman, which is I walk through the world with a fair amount of doubt in terms of my, you know, how I feel in my relationships with men. And when I think it's important for us to ask ourselves, are we having sex right now? Are we being intimate right now? Because how many times have we as women found ourselves confused by a situation because maybe you didn't define it or you hadn't asked the question. And meanwhile, maybe you've been talking to somebody for a long time and actually that was intimacy. And so when they disappear and, you know, you're feeling some type of way and you're like, and then you doubt yourself whether or not those feelings are valid. Meanwhile, it's actually understanding that some level of intimacy happened or sex happened without intimacy. And so just because this person has not disappeared and I don't feel anything, it doesn't mean it wasn't a relationship or whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of rambling on about a lot of things here, but I think there is something important about asking these very specific hook questions when we are relating with partners, because that helps us unpack and understand exactly what it is that's happening in that moment. And I think for a lot of women, that's a lot. That's where we tend to find ourselves in a bit of a conundrum. Absolutely, Noabisa. And I think when you're with a partner, if there's a question that you want to ask and for some reason you feel uncomfortable asking, it's really important for us as women. I mean, for, for anyone really, but again, she rocks. <laughs> um, you know, it's really important for us as women to say, why am I uncomfortable asking that question to my partner? Am I worried or scared or afraid of, of what their response is going to be? Um, is it, is it, is it because I feel nervous having these types of conversations? Cause I didn't grow up in a household or went to a school or in an, env I don't have a friend environment where, where, you know, I can have these conversations. Um, you know, I think it's really important to ask ourselves those questions because when we talk about healthy relationships, there has to be that communication piece, you know, for us to be intimate and to have an intimate um, you know, relationship that, that we enjoy as partners, it's really critical to feel safe, not just to do the things, but to have the conversation in order to do the things, if that makes sense. Um, I want to build on what you are saying, um, because you also, your platform, it's about storytelling. Uh, and I, I was wondering while I was listening to you, 
how the conversations I have with myself uh, determine the way I share myself sexually with other partners. Like, um, and I will ask you to, to share a little bit on that. Uh, how uh, the way I speak or how the stories I tell to myself uh, impact on my sexual life. Like, I know, and, and just a brief example, I, I, when I realized that I didn't, there is not a, an only way to relate with a sexual partner and there are different ways to share with, uh, with others. Uh, I, f I felt like free and now I'm on a stable relationship. But in, prior to that, I discovered like a, a, a universe about ways of sharing with each other and enjoying my sexual life that I didn't know. But I believe it was because I didn't allow myself. I, I, I ne like the stories I used to tell to myself were about uh, having a stable partner, but not about sharing myself in a more relaxed way and, and learning how to, how to enjoy sex from like a very positive perspective uh, and that changed my life and, and I try to share it with other women especially here in my country because nobody tells you hey go enjoy that's that 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 I know that invitation or, or share your, your, yourself from a secure place but where you're okay with sharing with with other person uh, and I really that changed my life forever I imagine you do that for a lot of people globally like uh, tell stories that encourage us to be okay with the, the women we are and, and share with others. Uh, tell me about those stories. Maka, you touched on this brilliant point that it's like when we share our own story or, or when, you know, basically, yeah, when, when we share our own story, we're, we're kind of giving permission, you know, for others to, to do the same. And I know that Marianne Williamson has this, has this beautiful poem, you know, that I love called Our Deepest Fear. And, and she says something similar, which is like, as we let our own light shine, we allow others to do the same. And I, I personally kind of live by that mantra um, that, you know, if, if sex and intimacy is something that I personally care about and am passionate about, I have to, I have to create a space for my friends and my peers and my colleagues and the people around me to, to feel just as comfortable having those conversations. Um, I remember very distinctly at my old sort of workplace, uh, which was a sexual health organization where we were having these sorts of conversations around menstruation, around, um, you know, consent, things like that. And I remember one day being in the office and, and I was on my period and I remember that I needed to go to the bathroom and I, and I pulled out, um, you know, uh, uh, a, like my little sort of my little case that has all my tampons in it. Right. Okay. I mean, like all the women have like some little something that has their pads or their tampons or their cup or whatever you use. It's like this, you know, cute little fabric case. And I remember thinking, Oh, I, I just actually just want to grab the, the single individual tampon and walk to the bathroom with it and not actually just walk with the whole entire case. And then for some reason I stopped and I was like, actually, I feel like this would somehow make the men in my office maybe feel uncomfortable if they saw me walking to the bathroom with a tampon. And then I was like, wait a second, do we not work for a sexual health organization where we go and we preach to, you know, to, to kids across the globe about how we can have open conversations about their menstruation and sexual health and boys need to hear the conversation about menstruation too, right? But then like here I am in the office feeling nervous about walking to the bathroom with an openly exposed tampon right and then I just decide okay no I'm gonna walk with it because like halas people must just like get on board right and um and so I think and, and Noabisa and I are our friends and I you know I think she can probably vouch for this 
two here and just interacting with me in Cape Town, there's not a single conversation or moment that you're going to spend time with me and we're not going to talk about sex. We will talk about it. It will be discussed in, in some capacity because I have to share my story for you to feel comfortable sharing yours. And I think that's what, when I think about stor- a storytelling movement, you know, I, I think it's so, so important. Like, yeah, on my basketball team every now and then I do sprinkle a couple of my own stories in, right? They're all anonymous. So unless you know, you know, right? But it is important for people to feel like they have confidants and allies, fellow females who can say, okay, well, I know that Nicole is someone who, who talks about sex because she's open about it and she's put it out there publicly. So if I have something I need to talk about, I can come talk to her. Um, you know, you, you, I have to be that example for 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 anyone else who wants to have this conversation. And yes, I probably have not spoken about <laughs> so much sex. <laughs> Which is fantastic in terms of, yeah, our relationships with ourselves and particularly in a time of a pandemic. Um, you know, I don't think even our listeners know I live alone. I'm not in a relationship, but being able to have conversations about sex um, and how I have sex um, during this time is very interesting. And so someone like Nicole does walk the talk. So it's great. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I could spend the whole day talking to her, you know. Um, and to start wrapping up, um, what makes you rock? Oh, what makes me rock? I think that what makes me rock is this... Um, like sort of a, of a, of a deep grounding sort of foundational feeling that, um, that everyone is inherently good. You know, I know that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of trauma in the world. There's a lot of things happening across the globe, not only in the sexual health space, but just in terms of, you know, people, whether or not they have access to to resources, the way that our, that our our world and and the climate is, is very quickly being destroyed. I mean, like, there's just so many things um, that I think can, can really make it challenging to kind of move forward and feel like, am I making a difference? Does this even matter? Are people even listening? Um, but I think for me, when I think about what makes me rock, it's this inherent belief that everyone ha- has this sort of inherent goodness in them. And it doesn't matter what race you are, what religion you are, what your socioeconomic status is. Um, there are people out there in communities far and wide uh, that, are doing, that are doing good and they're doing their best to, to make a difference. And those people motivate me and give me life and give me energy to, to do what I do. I've been so blessed to meet so many people like that across the globe, everywhere from small villages in Uganda and Cameroon, all the way to New York City and Hong Kong and, and Singapore and, and global metropolises, right? People, people are doing fantastic things and they, they motivate me and they, they help me rock. I love it. Uh, well, and then we are almost on the end, but I just want to add something. Uh, I'd love you to give um, any tip you would like for women to keep or start enjoying their sex life. Mm-hmm. I would say have a conversation with yourself first and make a list, you know, five things that you that you really like not in relation to your, to your partner, just in, in relation to yourself. What are things that you really like? What, how do you get pleasure? Make a list of five things. And then of that list of five things, start to think about 
uh, are those things I can do for myself? Because, you know, w- women, we, we, we are blessed. We can do many things to ourselves and get pleasure, right? Um, can I do those things for myself? Do I need a partner? Do I want a partner to do some of those things? Um, and if I do want a partner to do those things, is my current partner or partners, and, you know, I use the term partner very loosely. It can be casual. It can be informal, but it can still be a partner. Uh, you know, can, can I have a conversation with my partner about doing those things if I'm not getting them from that person? So that's, that would be my advice. Your, your homework for today, ladies and gentlemen, and, <laughs> and however you identify, <laughs> make that list of five things about, you know, what, what make you happy uh, what, what, in, in terms of pleasure and, uh, and go from there. Thank you very much. Thank you for all the, the job you do daily to, to help us enjoy our sex life better and to be okay with ourselves because I think it's about that. Uh, go and follow this lady, my basketball team, Nicole Bannister. Go to the social media, follow her, join the conversation, share your sex and intimacy stories to the world. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Navisa. Uh, and I hope we can meet uh, each other again in the short future. Thank you, Maka. Thank you so much, Nicole, for just bringing your joy and energy into a very important conversation. Thank you, Maka. Thank you, Nwabisa. And thanks again to the whole She Rocks Global family. It is an honor. Thank you. She Rocks Global is a podcast collaboration produced by Makarena Botta, Nwabisa Mayema, and Zoya Kukic. This season of She Rocks Global was recorded in the American Corner Cape Town, which is also where you will find our sound engineer, Tikrai Gegana. Theme music for this podcast is composed and arranged through a collaboration between South African musician Nosihe and Hannes Segasa from Germany. Mixing engineer is T Luminous. She Rocks Global is a podcast that showcases the stories of perfectly imperfect women from around the world. Should you be or know someone whom you think we should be talking to, please contact us through our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter channels. Handle SheRocksGlobal, hashtag SheRocks. Until next time, keep rocking.